This is the Lead to Lead podcast, where we explore the realm of leadership through the lens of faith. Here's your host, Leah Haygood. Hey guys, welcome back to the Lead to Lead podcast. My name is Leah and I am your host. And today I am happy to announce that you're going to hear another interview with someone that I'm not married to. No, I'm just kidding. I I love you, Jake. Thank you for doing the voiceover. Didn't he do a good job anyway and pass insight? But anyway, no, today you're going to be hearing from a guy by the name of Joey West. And I, I don't know if you guys know this or not. If you knew me in high school, you probably know this, but... Uh, I was kind of a metalhead in high school, believe it or not. I was big into, um, this isn't like heavy metal, but uh, red jumpsuit apparatus. I liked Bullet for My Valentine. Uh, We Came as Romans, and then August Burns Red, that one's a little heavier, but... Uh, I loved it. And Jake and I, when we were dating in high school, we would listen to each other's music and love the heavier stuff. Well, with Joey, Joey West is the drummer for a band called Disciple. And Disciple has been around for many years. I believe Kevin, the lead singer, started the band from what Joey told me was back in 92, which was, put that in reference, is the year I was born. So Disciple's been around a long time. But Joey has been the drummer for them for the past few years, and I got the opportunity to sit down and talk with him just about his journey as a musician, what that's looked like as far as traveling and stuff. It's incredible conversation. Uh, before, but before we dive into that, I wanted to thank you so much for just listening to this podcast. I really appreciate it. If you haven't already, go ahead and take a minute to follow us on Instagram. You can follow us on Twitter even. I don't know if you're a big Twitterer, but take a minute and follow us. So that way you don't miss out on any information. And also, if you haven't already, go ahead and hit that subscribe button to subscribe to this podcast. And that way you don't miss any other future interviews. But um, I'm super excited to share my conversation with Joey. I will warn you, there's a little bit of, we had some technical difficulties. So I apologize if there's any weird noises or whatever. I'm trying to fine tune some of that. But I know you're going to gain some uh, encouragement, some insight about what it's like being on the road and uh, making music for a living, which is incredible to me. I'm a musician myself. So uh, I just enjoyed this interview with Joey. And I hope that you have a piece of paper and a pencil to write down some of the things that he that he shared with me. And yeah, it's going to be awesome. So here is my conversation with Joey West. Joey, thank you so much, man, for, for jumping on the podcast for me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Glad to be here. Glad that we fought through some technical difficulties, but Satan get behind us. It is it's all, all, it's all my fault. Like technology legit hates me. Anything that I get that has technology in it it is not going to work properly it's just the curse of being me so i've fully learned to accept it so So we're praying with anointing on this interview then how about that (laughs) yeah or god just sent me some new headphones that broke as well so that would be awesome (laughs) (laughs) well um at the time of this interview we are kind of gently coming out of quarantine a little bit. And I wanted to kind of ask you, how was your quarantine experience? Was it productive or was it a time of rest or was it just Netflix streaming all day long? Yeah, it's been, I think it's been a little bit of everything you just mentioned. Um, there has definitely been a lot of Netflixing going on. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the, uh, the show, The Office, Um, and me and my girlfriend have found a few different shows to get into. So, uh, that's been fun. And we, let's see, what else have I been doing in quarantine? It's definitely been a time of rest. I've, you know, I've definitely taken advantage of, you know, um, uh, taking the time just to like, you know, sleep and nap during the day, uh, when I can, um, I've tried to keep myself busy, but you know, with not touring and everything like being busy, isn't, you know, kind of on the docket right now. Um, and as far as productivity, it's actually been very productive. Um, I, you know, I, I started working out about two years ago, um, just cause I had gotten to like a really unhealthy place in life, you know, uh, not only physically, but mentally and, uh, spiritually and everything. And, I just kind of started taking my life back then. And, you know, when this quarantine hit, I was right in the middle of this, you know, uh, 
exercise routine that where I was going to the gym every single day and then the gym shut down and I was like, oh no, this is the worst thing that could happen to me because like I'm in this routine and I know how bad I am at getting into a new routine, especially trying to keep up with fitness while being at home when I've got my couch right here and my bed in there to where I can just, you know, veg out. Um, so I actually, me and several of the guys in Disciple and, and a bunch of other guys from different bands have uh, started like this fitness accountability group uh, where we have like a big, massive uh, group text thread going. And uh, we have the Beach Body on Demand app. So everybody's doing like P90X or Body Beast or, you know, whatever. And every day people, you have to check in that you did your workout and send your stats in from your fitness tracker uh, just to prove it. So having all them uh, uh, sending that stuff in uh, has definitely helped on the days where I'm like, I don't want to work out. Uh, so being productive, I've, I've lost seven pounds during quarantine. So that's, that's been a huge, a huge pr- productivity type thing. Um, and, uh, other than that, I've just been, I, I bought a new vacuum and I've been vacuuming my house a lot. Um, you know, just doing all the adulting things. So it's, uh, I think it's been a little bit of everything. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. No, with, with food, I understand like it is, it's especially in quarantine, it's easy to walk to your fridge. And when oh, you yeah. are stressed, when you're feeling a little stir crazy, food makes it better. So I understand that. I, I think I gained about a total of 10 pounds. I've lost about five of that. So we're coming on the downslope of it, but I completely understand. So <laughs> yeah, I, I rediscovered my love of cinnamon toast crunch during quarantine. So I've had to I've had to work out extra hard because I, I keep buying boxes of it every time I like go to Walmart. I'm like, I should probably stop eating this stuff, but I can't. So I'll just, uh, I'll just work out extra to earn my bowl of cereal. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Well, tell me a little bit just about yourself, um, where you grew up, um, family life. What does that look like for you? Yeah, well, um, I'm originally from Hilton Head Island, South Carolina. Um, That's where I was born. Uh, We lived there until I was about three or four. And then we moved to Beaufort, South Carolina, which is just right up the coast. Um, Not not really all that far. Um, And we lived there until I was seven. And then my dad's job moved us to Spartanburg, South Carolina, where I have pretty much, I I grew up a majority of my life. I have moved away from Spartanburg. Uh, I was I was gone for about ten years. I lived in uh, Anderson, Greenville, uh, South Carolina. I moved to Nashville for about three years, um, and now I'm back in Spartanburg. Um, and it's been a it's been a fun kind of journey of you know moving around. Um, but a little bit about me, I guess you know I'm I'm 31 years old right now. Uh, Going to be 32 here in a couple months, and. Um, I play drums. I've been I've been playing drums professionally since I was 19. Uh, it's been my full time job. Uh, so a little about 12 years of making my full time living uh, as a musician, which a lot of people you know don't get the the honor of saying. But I'm uh, I'm definitely thankful that I've gotten to do what I what I love for so long. Um, I'm an avid coffee fan. I I love coffee more than anything in the world. Um, you know, people are like, man, you're addicted to coffee. I'm like, well, I'd rather be addicted to coffee than all the other things that you could be addicted to. So, um, my, my heart, I think my heart beats a little faster than everybody else's constantly because of it. Um, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a coffee connoisseur. Like the, the best thing about traveling is I get to like experience all the local coffee shops and all the cities that we travel to. Um, so I have found some, some great places across the country and even the world, um, you know, getting to travel to, to other countries. Um, I have found some great coffee and I've also found some really bad coffee. And I always, I always mark that down in the brain, you know, it's like red flag on that place. So where was yeah. the worst coffee that you've gotten? <sighs> Okay, so I'm trying to remember where we were at. We were in New Mexico. Um, I cannot remember the city name. We were in this obscure place uh, playing this this performing arts center, and some some of the uh, the locals were telling us because like anytime we get to a city, we ask the locals right or the people at the venue are like, "Hey, is there like a good coffee shop in town?" And they're like, "Oh yeah, you should go to this place." So they took us to this place, and it was like this 
like I, I don't even know how to explain it. It was like one of those junk stores where everything. I mean, literally, you only had enough room to walk down the aisles of the store, and there was just all this junk that you could buy. It was like a, it was like a, a, a overblown yard sale. Um, <laughs> and we got up to the the coffee counter, and the lady behind the counter didn't speak to us at all. Like was just looking at us, and we were just like is this where you get coffee? And she's like, yeah, but I'm going to be honest. I don't know how to make any of this stuff that's on this board. Okay. And like, you know, they uh, there was all like your normal coffee drinks listed. And we were like, okay. And so <laughs> Josiah, our guitarist, who has got the biggest heart in the world, um, I had already checked out. I was like, I'm out of here. Um, Josiah was like, well, I guess I'll just take like, you know, an Americano. And she was like, okay and she just goes over and like pours the coffee out of this like jug and gives it back to him which is not what an americano is and so we leave that sorry this story is long i i should i should have warned you on the front side so i didn't get coffee from this place but we get taken to this next spot that is a wood stove dealership i'm not kidding you like wood stove like storefront and it's just got a random coffee shop in the back of it and i was like well this is the only other option so i'm gonna get something and it was pretty bad so and they had every single wood stove i think in the store on because it was about 400 degrees in there like my skin was baking um so yeah that was the uh that was for sure the worst coffee experience of my life yeah both purchasing it and drinking it i'm sure (laughs) Yeah. So wherever we were in New Mexico, no love, no love for for the coffee in that town. Oh so, man, so. I had the opportunity when I was in high school, uh, my senior year, right after I graduated, to um, to go to Serbia on a mission trip. And in Serbia, they do Turkish coffee, and mm. so they say don't drink the last sip because that's all the grounds in the bottom of it. But I mean, you get right. a caffeine boost for sure. Well. Um, it's probably a good thing that you're a drummer so you can get all that energy out from the coffee. (laughs) Yeah. And believe it or not, like I, I drink, I I drink several cups of coffee every day on tour and still like, it'll be showtime. And I'm like on the bus, like getting ready or stretching and I'm just yawning and I'm like this, how, you know, like, why am I so tired? I've got no reason to be tired. So, man. Well, cool. Well, tell me a little bit about music. You said you uh, you turned professional at 19. That's amazing. How'd that happen? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I, the professional from what, in my definition, every everybody has different definitions, but I guess pro to me is like when you actually start getting paid to do something, you kind of become a professional at it. And so I guess I'm kind of like, self-diagnosed professional or whatnot I, but that's, that was when I started getting paid to play and I started making a living off of it and I didn't have to work any other jobs you know um and so uh yeah 19 that that was when I started playing for a, a church in South Carolina um called New Spring and they paid their musicians very well um, probably more than what church musicians should make, but you know, it was, uh, it was definitely nice nonetheless, um, at, at 19 years old, uh, before I knew any better. And, uh, and yeah, so I, I played there for a few years and then it just led into, um, meeting other people in the music industry, which put me on the road, uh, which is what I wanted to do since I was young anyways. And so my touring career began in about 2011, and uh, so I've been on the on the road nine years of my uh, of my uh, career being a musician. So um, yeah, that's that's kind of how it happened. Was it was it was honestly just church drumming, um, and I had never been to a church where they paid their musicians. So <laughs> it was uh, it was nice. Yeah, I'm a I'm a worship leader myself. And what's funny okay. is my. Um, my brother and a good friend of mine went to New Spring for a long time. And I remember when I would go with him, I remember you drumming because I remember I said, yeah, there's this guy with this cool handprint tattoo on his on his forearm. And I was like, there it is. Oh, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> Can you tell Your me? brother's Trey, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. 
I love Trey. He was always so nice to me. And I, I mean, I haven't, I haven't seen, seen him. I think, I think we've messaged a few times on social media, but I always remember him being like one of the, one of the people that rose to the top out of everybody that I knew there. That was just like always so nice and kind hearted. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you for saying yeah. that. Yeah. He spoke I, I, very I truly highly mean of you. It. I, w- I, w- I wouldn't say it if I didn't mean it. I will tell you that. <laughs> well, thank you, man. That's so sweet. Yeah. yeah. Um, he, he always spoke highly of you. In fact, when I told him I was doing this interview, he said, like, oh, awesome. Yeah. He said, I remember when he used to work at Moe's and Anderson on the side. To- oh, man, that that in and of itself is the craziest story. Uh, actually, one of the darkest times of my life was due to working at Moe's. So uh, not not the best memories, but I did it for a couple months and whatever. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to do what you got to yeah. do. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, let's kind of talk about your experience just with Disciple. Like, how did you get the opportunity to try out and join the band? Yeah. Uh, honestly, I mean, it. you know, it, the, the saying, just in the right place at the right time, um, that was what was true for Disciple. Um, and pretty much everything that I've done in drumming so far has just been... I, I wasn't actively looking for um, any job that I've held as far as, as being a musician. It, I've just always kind of been in the right place at the right time, whether it was uh, with the church or when I went to my first band that was based out of Atlanta. They were called After Edmund, and uh, they were fresh off of being nomin- nominated for a Grammy. And I just so happened to be in a studio in Atlanta working with a, a producer uh, friend of mine who worked with After Edmund and knew that their drummer was leaving. And he was like, hey, you should audition. And so I did. And then I got the job. And that's, that started me touring. Well, that opportunity, I, I toured with After Edmund 2011 through 2013. And we were going to split up at the end of 2013 because things were just kind of fizzling out as they do in the music industry. And um, one of our last American uh, tour runs, Disciple picked us to open for them on this like nine show run. Um, And when I found out, I was like, no way. Because I've been a Disciple fan since I was like, young. I think I got my first Disciple CD when I was in middle school. Um, and, uh, and all through high school, I worked at a, I worked at a Christian bookstore and I would spend all my paychecks on, uh, on all the CDs. And I bought so many Disciple, all this Disciple CDs that came out while I was in high school, you know, on my break, I would go out to my car and just like put in a CD, eat food and listen. And, um, and so anyways, we did this nine show run opening for them and their drummer at the time uh, was getting married and taking a position at a church up in, I believe, Minneapolis. And one of my friends used to be the road manager of Disciple and I had no idea. So I, I guess I couldn't really say that I was a friend because I didn't know that much about him. Um, but we knew each other through church and he called me and he was like, hey man, um, what would you say if I told you that Disciple might be interested in you becoming their drummer. And I thought he was just, I thought he was kidding. I was like, I was like, well, I was like, I would be excited, but shut up. That ain't, that ain't a real thing. And he's like, no, 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 no. He's like, you're about to be on tour with them. And Kevin has asked me if I knew of anyone that would be a good fit. And I put your name into the pot. He's like, so Kevin's going to be watching you play every night on tour. And basically then he was like, don't screw it up and like hung up the phone. And so immediately like this pressure, these nine shows, I was like, oh my gosh, like they're going to be watching me. Like this just amplified my, my level of being terrified. Cause I was already terrified. Like I'd never been on tour with like a major band, especially a band that I was a fan of. And so I was just like, before the tour, like prepping myself, like, okay, these are the things you don't say. Cause you don't want to look stupid in front of them. You know, like I just kind of rehearsing like, okay, you want to be the guy that they like, you know, and want to hang out with. And, uh, and so now it's like, oh my gosh, they're like looking at me potentially as a audition, um, a candidate. And so I played those nine shows and, um, Kevin talked to me shortly after and was just like, Hey man, I'm really impressed by, uh, how you played and you know I, I know you guys are kind of splitting up after you go to Europe um, he's like what's what's your plans after that and I was like 
I don't know. You know, I guess go back and and play at church. You know, like I I don't really have any plans. And he's like, well, we've got five guys trying out currently. He's like, I'd love for you to be number six. And so they gave me an audition week where I got to spend an entire week on the road. Uh, it was actually on tour with Audio Adrenaline and Stellar Cart. And uh, I got a week to live on the bus, play the songs, and you know, audition basically, uh, because the audition goes far beyond playing music. You, you got to be a guy that they love hanging out with on the bus all the other 23 hours of the day that you're not on stage. Um, and so after, after that audition phase, Kevin called me and was just like, Hey man, we, we really like you. And if you're, if you're down and ready to hit the road, like we want you. And I, I honestly couldn't believe it. Like I had to hold back tears while I was on the phone with him. And it was just like, when I hung up, it was just like the floodgates opened up um, because, you know, I just landed my dream job, you know, at, at 20, at 25 years old. And so it's, uh, that's how I got into the into disciple. So there you go. Wow. What an opportunity. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I was listening to, uh, to be honest with you, I had heard a disciple, but I hadn't listened to any of the music. And so while I'm listening to it, I had flashbacks to, to high school because uh, in high school, I was a big, um, let's see, red jumpsuit apparatus, red yeah. MCR, um, man, just some of those, that, that kind of genre. Oh, yeah. And it, it took me I, back. I was, I was into that thing. Yeah. Oh, and um, August Burns Red, believe it or not. I, I loved oh. <laughs> some of the, the heavier stuff. They're still awesome. Yes. <laughs> yes, they're ridiculous. And I, like I said, I was listening to actually right before this interview, I was trying to like, kind of gauge what genre I was like oh my gosh I'm like 16 again <laughs> listening to yeah. this yeah um, is that um is this genre of music always what you wanted to do was that kind of your niche or were you kind of open to whatever absolutely like I've been a I've been a metalhead since I was little like the heavier the better you know like I actually it's so funny because I, I was telling my girlfriend this uh the other day when we were we were uh driving and uh just a super heavy song came up on like my on the shuffle that my music app plays and and I was just like man I remember a time where it was like if they weren't screaming from the beginning to the end I didn't want to listen to it you know and now and now I can tell like I've gotten older because I'm like you know, I still like the screaming, but I like those melodic parts too. I like the catchy hooks and all that. So, so it's kind of funny to like see how I've evolved as far as like musicianship goes. It's like, man, I want, I want a little bit of everything in a song, you know? Um, but yeah, my, my all time favorite band was POD uh, and still is. Um, there's no other band on the planet that will ever, ever take the place of POD. Um, and so once I got, once I got my first POD CD, The Fundamental Elements of Southtown, which came out in 1999, it was just like I fell in love with music, in love with the genre, and uh, and then you know like got into my high school years with all the Warp Tour bands, all the all, all that that whole scene. Uh, my Chemical Romance was a huge influence. I saw them live in Charlotte back in 2004, which was one of the most insane shows I've ever been to. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so I always wanted to be a part of this genre because it, it was the one uh, genre, you know, bands like POD and Disciple and Skillet and Red, those were the bands that were making music that, you know, that was actually like influencing me in a positive way. And I can honestly say like even POD's music helped me through an extremely dark time in high school when I was contemplating killing myself. Mm -hmm. And so when when I got through that and when I fell in love with music and I figured out this is what I want to do, it's like, I want to play that exact kind of music because there's going to be kids one day who are in the exact same situation as me that need to hear a positive message through this same type of music, this same hard in your face music. And I want to use my story and the music that I make to help them in that dark place a place where I used to be. Um, so that, that's why I have so much love for the genre is because it's like, I love the fact that it's not for everybody and there's, 
there's not everybody loves hard rock and, and screaming. It's like, that's actually a good thing. Um, but the people that do love it, you know, I, I wanted to make music that would actually change their lives and everything. So yeah, that's, that's the reason I've always loved this genre and always wanted to be in it, um, and use it to make a difference. Yeah. yeah. My, um, my husband can kind of relate to that. Um, we dated in high school and he wasn't saved at the time and he was really big into census fail. Um, yeah. MCR. It was a lot of um, uh, heavy metal talking about daddy issues sort of thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, once he got saved, he got saved our senior year of high school. And um, so he really got into red, especially like listen to like okay. that kind of darker tone of, of yeah. music that he can relate to, but with, like you said, a positive message. So I can totally resound to that. Cause I, I saw that firsthand in my husband while we were dating. So that's really cool. Thank, Thank you for right. saying that. Um, yeah, for sure. Let's see. From what I can tell, y'all, your last album that Disciple released, it was Love Letter Kill Shot. Is that right? That's it. Cool. And um, I was listening to some of the tracks, and uh, the one that I was like, oh man, they're laying it down, was a Reanimate. Yeah. Man, I was listening to that. I'm like, okay, these are guys that are not afraid to talk about the gospel in plain language, but still yeah. be artistic with it. Can you talk a little bit yeah. about that? Well, the, the artistic factor with the lyrics is Kevin Young, you know, like I, and, and I don't want to take any credit away from my guitarist Josiah because he also writes a lot of the music and will come up with insanely good lyrics. Um, but there's like when Kevin writes lyrics, I'm just like, how do you do this? You know, because like he still, he can still write lyrics in a way that it's like, it's fresh and it doesn't feel repetitive like most other stuff that's just like commercialized. And it's the, it's the same thing over and over again. Um, and so with that song, I remember when we were, when we got the music written for it, it was actually written for some, a project that we were doing like a side project just for fun. That was like this super like metal project. And when I heard the music, I was like, why is this not a disciple song? You know, like I don't, I don't want to waste that on this side project. That's just for fun. Like I want to put this on the next disciple record. So I talked, I talked the guys into it. And then Kevin, when he started writing the lyrics, he was just like, I really just want to write a song where it like brutally talks about what Jesus became, um, you know, on the cross, because like in church, we, we kind of play it safe and we kind of learn the Sunday school version of like, Oh, he became are lying and he became our, you know, our, uh, lustful thoughts. He became our, you know, he became sin. And we only think about like the, the safe sins, I guess you want to talk about. But like when we actually start thinking about it, it's like Jesus became a child molester. Jesus became a rapist. Jesus became a genocidal maniac. He took the sins of the world. So like when we actually compile, all the sins that have ever been committed in the world, there's a lot of dark, dark, dark stuff that Jesus said, I'm going to become this and I'm going to die for it. And, and cause Kevin was just like, he's like, I've never heard a song that actually went to that dark place and talked about the filthy things that Jesus actually took on himself on the cross. I've only heard, you know, the safe stuff. So we just were like, we're just going to put it out there. Like it's, it might be hard to listen to, but it's it's reality it's who it's who god is which actually makes the cross even more beautiful and more amazing when you think about the filth that jesus took on himself when he didn't have to um so that's that's kind of what we're 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 burst burst out out of of. wow wow that's awesome and it takes some boldness because i know that there um sometimes if with christian songs we can we can layer it with so much um, I'll put it this way, artistic fluff that you yeah. lose the meat of it. And so I really appreciated the fact that it was done so well, but it was pretty, it's plain language, yeah. so to speak. And that that's what, you know, Disciple historically has always been a band that, you know, and, and this is, this is all due to, you know, Kevin staying true to himself and to what he believes since he started the band. He, he was 16 when he started this band and that was when his career started and he's been doing it ever since, since 92. Um, so, um, Disciple has historically been a band where when you listen to a song, you don't have to sit there and like, 
you know, kind of like figure out like, okay, what do they mean? You know, it's always been just like straightforward. And with Love Letter Kill Shot, if you listen to that album, it's it's darker in theme because all of us individually as band members were going through possibly the darkest times in our lives at that point. Like absolute just crud. Like, I mean, I was going through my own stuff. Kevin was going through stuff. And we were just like, this is just how we feel right now. Like we feel like, you know, we're kind of out of hope. We're, we're at the end of our ropes, you know, and, and we were like, it, in Christian world, sometimes when you, it's not okay to admit that stuff, but we were like, there's so many of our listeners who are probably at that place and they need these songs to like realize that they're not alone in that dark place and that even people on stage that, you know, sometimes we get pegged as like, they've got it all together. They're perfect. You know, they don't have any struggles. It's like, yo, we are made of flesh and bone just like you. We bleed the same way. We get up out of bed and put our pants on the same way that you do, which means we are not ex- ex- exempt from the same problems that you guys experience, you know? And it's like, we want you to know we are human beings at our core and we're just trying to make music that is therapeutic for us and also helps people um, out there. And we were, I remember there kind of being a little bit of a nervous energy about releasing something that like kind of on the dark side that kind of offered no hope. Um, and, we released it and the the response has been absolutely incredible. Like, like, Hey, I needed this song. I, this is exactly what my life's been. And this song has helped me like kind of push past that and realize that I'm not alone. And so now as band members, we're all like really in good places. And so we're writing the next disciple record and it's shaping up to be like a more vertical, you know, like, like in your face, like gospel, here you go. Like, this is how we're feeling right now. Um, so it's, it's been kind of cool to go with the ebb and flow of life and let that come out in the music and see how it connects with people in different, different aspects. Yeah. That's awesome. Kind of to piggyback off on that. Um, recently y'all did something called love letter lockdown. And what, from what I gather, uh, it was a pretty big pivot for bands to think, Oh, we should like, instead of trying to pursue a concert, pursue a live stream, especially in this situation. Um, How important uh, would you say, this is a leadership podcast, and um, yeah. uh, but there's leadership aspect in this. And I keep hearing the word pivot a lot. And mm-hmm. um, how important do you think it is for leaders, teams, or bands to pivot when there's weird times like this, like COVID-19? Yeah, um, I, it's, it's funny, actually. I haven't, I haven't even heard that, that word used much. So like I... It's uh, it's actually a perfect term. I've only heard unprecedented, and I can hardly say the word now because I think I've heard it so much, and I, I'm like, oh my gosh, um, unprecedented. I can't even say it. I'm sorry. I, I suck at talking. Um, and uncertain, like and all those words. I'm like, yeah, it, life has always been uncertain. This is nothing new. Um, as far as like you know, kind of pivoting, like dropping back and being like, oh man, we got to figure out you know something else. Um, I think it's, I mean, for, for disciple, it's always been natural for us because we live about six to seven months out on the road. Um, and we are used to, you know, just having to like constantly face an obstacle, readjust, figure it out. You know, we, we live on a tour bus that constantly breaks down and we're constantly having to figure out okay, what are we going to do? And it's a lot of problem solving and, and all this stuff. So when when this whole COVID thing shut down the touring scene, I will admit at first I was kind of like, oh no. And I was like really kind of worried, like what are we going to do? And then, you know, it was just like, we all talked on the phone and we were like, we're going to figure this thing out. Like it's totally fine. And we immediately came up with this idea, like let's rent out a room in Nashville and do a live stream um, a live stream show. So, um, as far as like, I, I'm trying, I'm trying not to get too far away from your question. Hopefully I'm so, somewhat answering it. Um, like, are you asking like, hold on, help me, More, help me like understand just exactly what you're asking. Realizing that you don't have to just say, well, crap, I'm not going to, just because it's an obstacle in the way I'm just going to stop. Like we're just, I'm just mad that we can't oh. do things the way that we used to. Yeah. And instead of forging a new way. Yeah, I yeah, for sure. Um 
Well, in that case, yeah, I think it is super important to pivot because like the the thing about life is, is life is constantly overcoming obstacles. You know, some obstacles are smaller and easier than others, but when those big obstacles come and everything that you've known is kind of like flipped on its head, that's the part where I think that you know, in pain and trying times and all that, that's your biggest opportunity to figure out like, okay, how much have I grown from when I was younger and how much more can this opportunity and this, this obstacle that's laying in front of me grow me and stretch me and teach me new things that I didn't know that I could do. Disciple, we never knew that we could do a live stream and it be successful and it look good and it sound good. But now that we're on the back end of it, it's like, wow, that went really well. It looked good. It sounded good. So if we've got to do this again, or, you know, when we get back to touring and we want to do like an end of tour live stream show for all the people who didn't get to come to a show because we didn't come to their town, it's like, wow, we've got this option now because of technology that we can just do this thing. So I think in this time, Pivoting and trying to come up with new ways and new uh, approaches to things is actually going to show you like tools in your tool bag that you didn't know that you had. And so when we get on the backside of this thing, you're coming out even more equipped to be better at your craft, um, better at what you're doing, and and more unified either as a team or if you're just like solo, if you're just doing your own solo thing. I mean, you are going to be stronger and more capable on the back end of this thing. And you'll just keep building on top of that. Um, Because once you figure that stuff out, then there's your bottom level. And then you can start thinking and dreaming about new ideas that go above that. And you just keep stacking on top of one another. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That I totally agree. You know, it's an adversity when you realize how, like, the strengths are strengthened, right? Um, so that's absolutely. Awesome. Um, real quick, yeah, I, I uh, used to oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry, no, you're fine. I was I, I was going to say yeah. I used to look at pain as a thing that would just put me into depression and just like this is hard, this is tough. I just want to lay down and give up. Um, but through growing through the the depression and stuff that I experienced from painful situations, I now look back on those situations ten years down the road. It's like my God, I am so thankful that that pain happened to me. Like at the time it didn't feel good, but man, it put me exactly where I need to be. And it, it actually grew me as a human being to handle pain when it comes my way. Now it's like, yeah, this hurts and this sucks right now, but I know that this isn't, this isn't forever. You know, this isn't a permanent thing. I'm going to, I'm going to continue to persevere and push through this. And on the back end, I'm actually going to be thankful for what I'm going through right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's awesome. Um, Real quick, um, what advice would you give to young aspiring musicians who want to make it a full-time career? I know it's not as easy as, you know, music is such a, it's a whole other planet, so to speak, where um, it ebbs and flows so much. Uh, And I'm just Mm -hmm. from like the church standpoint that music changed so much what what would be some helpful advice um that you would give to some up-and-coming musicians oh man how much time do you have like that i've uh i've I've come up with so so much and watch i'm gonna not remember any of the stuff that i've like give me your top number one number one advice yeah i'm gonna go through a few things because i think there's a few things that are just like super important um First thing I tell young musicians, we get asked this a lot at like our VIP meet and greets and stuff. Um, I always tell them like, always play music because you love it first. Don't play it because you want to get a career or you want to be a rock star or whatnot. Like at the end of the day, if you're only playing to get those things, if they never happen, you're going to lose your love for it and you're never going to pick it up and play it again. But if you play music just because you love it and you want to continue to better yourself at it, you know what? Like There is no guarantee that your music career is going to take off or that it's going to be your job, but playing an instrument is a beautiful thing. And it's like, don't destroy your love for this skill that you've been given based on whether or not you make it. So at the end of the day... Play because you love it, not for money and fame. Uh, and you know, even now that it's my job, 
Um, I'm not just saying this. I still genuinely love to play music because like I had that solid foundation of playing music forever where I was in my bedroom. Nobody saw me. I wasn't getting paid for it. Uh, there was no recognition. It was just the hours and hours I put in, in, uh, practicing in my bedroom to get myself prepared for potential opportunities down the road that worked out. Um, another thing I always tell kids too, is like your attitude and your, um, your humility plays a big part in having a potential music career. Um, I have seen, unbelievably talented people like insanely talented people and I'm just speaking from the drum department here super skilled people lose their jobs time and time again to people who maybe have less skill than them but their attitude and their humility is on point um and that and that is a that is a number one fact in the music industry is that you could be the most talented person in the room, you can just crush it and everything, but if your attitude sucks and nobody likes to be around you, you're not going to last long at your job. And then the next guy up, maybe he can't play as good as you, but because people like hanging out with him and like being around him, that guy is going to get the job 100% of the time, every single time. So I always tell them, it's like, your talent can only take you so far. If you only ride on your talent through life, it's only going to take you to a certain point and then it's going to stop. But when you are talented and you also have a great attitude and people enjoy being around you and enjoy working with you, that's where the icing on the cake happens and doors will fly open for you left and right. And you don't even have to. And, and that's and even for me, I know that I'm not the best drummer in the world. I'm not even close. Like I, from being in the music industry, I have met so many people where I'm like, my gosh, what am I even doing here? And like, there's 12 year olds on YouTube that can show me up like all day long, you know? Um, but at, at the same time, like I try to keep myself out of that comparison game and it's like, you know what? Like I'm going to play drums the way that Joey plays drums. Like, cause it's all about the person sitting behind the kit and the power that they bring to it. It's not necessarily who's better than who or whatnot. And it's like, I want to keep showing up. I want to keep bringing that same power and that same energy to my craft. And when I'm not doing that thing, I want people to genuinely like me and enjoy being around me. And I also want to be genuine and care about people um, when I'm off the kit instead of just viewing it as, oh, well, I do this, so everyone should worship the ground that I walk on, you know, and, you know, and, and treating people like crap, like it'll eventually just, it's not going to work out well for you in the end. So those are probably the two biggest things that I always tell young musicians um, to, uh, to keep in the back of their head as they're, as they're, playing music and, and growing in it. Yeah, absolutely. And I love, <laughs> I love it has nothing to do with you need to have be taking lessons for the past 10 years of your life to be successful. I love that's, that's so practical because I mean, that's really applies with anything. Yeah. If, if you're doing what you love and you're not doing right. it just for and, money. And there definitely is a, a point where it's like your skill does have to match a certain level. You know, like if you are, um, if you're going for a certain job, like you definitely want to be good at what you do. Definitely don't walk in there like, oh, well, I don't have to be as good if I'm just nice. It's like, no, be a hundred percent the best that you can be at your craft and do what you can to absolutely crush it. Uh, but also include that just being a nice human being. It's not that hard. It's really not that hard, you know? <laughs> yes, absolutely. So. That is incredible advice. And, and um, I think that's a, a great way to conclude this interview. Thank you so much, seriously, man, for taking the time to, despite the internet, you know, we have overcome. <laughs> we are more than conquerors. Am I right? <laughs> yeah. I, man. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, oh, I'm going to have to do something about that internet. It drives me absolutely up the wall. So, uh, real quick, uh, where can people find you? Uh, any disciple music? What's the best way to follow you guys? Yeah, uh, you'll find Disciple on pretty much mus any music streaming app that you're on. We are Disciple, no S. We're not the Disciples. Uh, we get called that all the time. Um, 
We, and try, definitely look it up, uh, the spelling, uh, because we finally made it to a billboard one time and we have never been on a billboard and they spelled our band name wrong. So it oh instantly took all the, all the gratification of finally making it to a billboard and our name was spelled wrong. So anyways, you'll find Disciple on pretty much any music streaming app. Um, you will find Disciple on all social media. It's pretty much Disciple Rocks across the board. Um, and myself, I'm on Instagram, Disciple at Disciple Joey. Uh, I think Twitter's Disciple Joey. And that's pretty much it. So. Awesome. Anything that we can look out for you guys uh, coming up as far as new album or, or touring? Yes. Uh, we are about to release a deluxe edition of Love Letter Kill Shot that's going to be only available on streaming. For now, we're, we're releasing three brand new Disciple songs that have never been heard by anybody. Um, they were actually the three that didn't make the record originally, but we went back and recorded them. Uh, so that will be coming out within the next few months. We have also uh, signed a record deal with BEC, which is the uh, the sub label of Tooth and Nail Records, and we are doing we are doing a worship album, um, and it will not be under the name Disciple. It's actually going to be a whole brand new band name because uh, we kind of wanted to leave Disciple as its own entity and as the rock band. We didn't want to cause confusion uh, with our fans or make everybody think that oh they're going soft, you know, because um, that's kind of like the fun thing to do is hate on rock bands whenever they make lighter music. Um, so we're doing that. And then we, we've honestly started, uh, writing a brand new disciple album, um, and started demoing out some stuff. And so we're constantly working, you know, this, this whole coronavirus thing, we may not be touring, but we are working. So, uh, there will be a lot of stuff coming out on the horizon. So definitely look out for it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'll, I'll make sure to put all the, all your guys's info in the show notes so people can can check it out and everything sounds good awesome well joey thank you so much for taking some time to share just a little bit insight from a touring musician and um love what you're doing uh continue doing it i know you won't stop because you love it and rightly so so yeah thank you leah yeah as long as long as my bones and my body cooperate i'm going to keep touring and you know playing playing the shows yeah absolutely Man, it was so incredible to be able to talk with Joey and just get his perspective as one musician talking to another, but he's doing it for a full-time living. It was just so fun to to talk with him and get his perspective on things. And I wrote down three main things that I wanted to kind of reemphasize of things that he said, uh, starting with the pivot and what he talked about. A love letter lockdown was a live stream uh, concert, basically what he and disciple did. And I think that's super important that no matter what business you're in, whether it's you're the owner, you're a manager, whatever it may be, it's important to pivot when times like this come. Yes, COVID-19 was unprecedented and nobody expected it, but there will always be something that will cause us to change our course. So pivoting is important. And like I said, I talked about pivoting in episode 10 as well, that you got to keep what your what, your leg that stays planted, those things have to stay the same. It's just your operations, your delivery of how you get the product or service, good, whatever it is to your customer, right? So I think Love Letter Lockdown was a perfect example of that. And the second thing, it's actually kind of two things in one for a total of three here. When I asked him about the different advice that you would give to aspiring musicians, and he said, do it because you love it and do it well. I think that's incredible advice because it's so easy to just look at dollar signs. You look at people that are famous or or whatever, you're like, oh, I want that. But your passion is going to be a major component in your drive for what you're actually doing. So do whatever you do because you love it and do it well. Like he, he meant, he always reminded me that, you know, you still want to do your best. You want to be the best in your field as best as you can be, but 
talent can only get you so far. And that was the third thing that I wrote down. I'm like, man, that is so good. Because he mentioned there are people that are better drummers than him, but it comes down to your attitude. Like You could be the best banker in the world. You could be the best fast food manager. You could be the best realtor. But if your attitude sucks, then that doesn't amount to hill beans. Okay? So the way that you treat people, your character, your morals, your just attitude in general, that is like, that's what creates trust. And then they're like, okay, I know that they're reliable. I know they're kind. I know they have a heart and that they're compassionate. And them being talented as all get out is uh, is even better. So let's bring them on. So I love that he shared that. Thank you, Joey. You're the man. I'm going to be listening to more disciple music from now on. So uh, if if you haven't listened to their stuff and you like heavier metal, you're going to like Disciple. Now, what's on the horizon for the next episode? In episode 12, I got to interview a good friend of mine in the flesh, which was nice to see person-to-person contact. Her name is Ashley Braytek, and we met through Chick-fil-A actually a few years ago, and she's going to talk a little bit about her side hustle, so to speak, of uh, an Etsy shop that she has started. But I really wanted to share a little bit more of just her story because I think it's going to be very encouraging to you and how she got to Chick-fil-A from where she was. So until next time, check out this clip of my interview with Ashley Braytag. First service that I made to on a Sunday, I actually fell asleep in the service and I woke up and missed everything. And I remember just leaving church and literally in tears, just thinking, man, I just finally came to church and I'm so exhausted from working 60 to 70 hours in a week that I just missed what I was looking, you know, forward to most. And I think that, you know, God should be number one in your life. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, He was taking a backseat to everything that I was doing. And then the next Sunday that I made it to church, I got really involved in the worship that service and I just broke down and I was just bawling my eyes out. And I was like, this is what I want. This is what I'm craving. And I remember literally, this is so crazy, sitting there thinking in church, I want to work somewhere like Chick-fil-A where they're off on Sundays. Literally, I thought this. (laughs) I'm like, I just want to work somewhere like that where I can make it to church. This is all I want in life. You know, I want to be a good mom to my son, provide a good life for him, be involved with my family. And I want to go to church on Sundays. That's mm. all that I want out of this life. I don't care about anything else. I don't care about my house anymore. I don't care about making money anymore. I just want to have a spiritual connection and feel and feel that way and live my life like that. I want people to look at me and like, wow, Jesus has all over that girl. And I want to be like that. You know, that's what I wanted to, to, to be. So I literally left church and I came home and I typed into whatever search engine I was looking at. And I was like management jobs in the Greenville Anderson area. And the number one thing that popped up was Chick-fil-A of Greenville. (laughs) I had chills and I was like, okay, this is going to be a journey.